Hi guys and welcome to this week's edition of Vegan World. Uh, we have quite a treat in store this week for you. I speak to Dr. Neil Barnard from the Barnard Medical Institute and the Physicians Committee in Washington, D.C. Now, any of you who have seen What the Health or Forks Over Knives, then you'll have seen Dr. Neil Barnard on there. Dr. Neil Barnard was quite instrumental in my decision to go vegan in the first place once I understood the health arguments behind a plant-based diet, having already decided upon that route for the animal welfare reasons. Now, never in a million years did I ever think that Neil Barnard would ever come on this show, but uh, it just goes to show what a humble man and an absolute gent he is. The message that he gets across, the science behind it, is incontrovertible. Uh, He explains it in his book, Reversing Diabetes. There's also recipes in there by a lady, Brianna Clark-Grogan, which I've tried some of and they're delicious. So I would recommend you get a hold of the book, uh, read the book cover to cover. Uh, It's hugely educational. I am not particularly scientific. I am not particularly well-read in the sciences, but I understood every single word of this book. Uh, He explains it in a way that anybody can understand it. He explains how diabetes works, uh, the symptoms of it, how that can look in its worst extremes for an individual, and how you can treat it. But not only how you can treat it, but how you can actually reverse it and get rid of it. Which, to date, to my mind, isn't something we've heard an awful lot about. In the past, a lot of science has been focused on limiting sugar into the bloodstream. When actually, when you read this book, there's another way of dealing with it and defeating it. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. So, Dr. Neil Barnard, hello and welcome to Vegan World Podcast. Well, thank you for including me. Uh, So, at a very high level, Dr. Barnard, I wanted to explore why uh, red and white meat in anyone's diet is bad generally for their health. First of all, these foods contain what we call bad fat. That means the, the saturated fat. Um, that raises cholesterol levels. It's also linked to Alzheimer's disease. They also contain cholesterol itself, so your cholesterol level gets an extra boost from the cholesterol that's in these foods. Um, But they don't have what we also need. Um, They are missing certain uh, important nutrients, like there's no vitamin C, there's no fiber in meats at all. And so what this means is you have a population that tends to gain weight from the fat content of these foods. Their cholesterol levels tend to rise, so they tend to be at high risk for heart disease and, and uh, certain things like cancers that, where the risk can be reduced by a vitamin-rich diet. Well, those, uh, those can be a problem too. So at a high level, those are the key issues. It's programmed into us from a very early age that you need red meat to get strong and to get protein and all the rest of it. Now, I know as vegans, we often get the, the dreaded pea question, where do we get our protein from? What's your answer to that question? Yes. Um, the, the, the good thing, the, or the good news is that the science on this was settled at least 70 years ago. Um, you get more than enough protein on a completely plant-based diet. You don't need meat for protein at all. Um, the, the old-fashioned idea was that on a plate, the, the meat is the protein and the vegetable is the vitamins and the, maybe the potato might be the energy or something like that. But let's say you didn't eat the meat at all and all you ate was the vegetable. Uh, according to government sources, they would say a woman might need about 46 grams of protein a day, a man maybe 56 grams of protein in a day. If you ate 
only your vegetable. Let's say, for example, you ate broccoli. And as an experiment, for a whole day, all you're going to eat is your normal portion sizes, but, but all you're going to eat is broccoli. So maybe 2,000 calories worth of broccoli in a day. You would get 146 grams of pure protein. In other words, about three times more than you actually need. Um, so there's plenty of protein in, in vegetables. Um, if one day you ate nothing but lentils, just your normal amounts of foods, but all it was was lentils, you'd get about 157 grams of pure protein. So hopefully you're not having just broccoli or just lentils, but <laughs> I use these as examples where if you ate some broccoli and some lentils and some rice and, and beans and other foods, you easily get more than enough protein, which is why vegan animals like a bull or a stallion they're big, and nobody asks a bull, where did you get your protein? They've got plenty of it from the plants that they eat. One of the the conversations um, a couple of people we've had on this show have been involved in in the past where they've basically been involved in radio shows, and they've been uh, thrust in front of a, a farmer who's basically trying to debunk the whole vegan diet. Obviously, it can't be debunked, but one of the points they raised was that anyone on a vegan or a plant-based diet would be iron deficient. What would you say to that? Yeah, um, well, and so their idea is that you need iron from a cow. Um, it's important to understand that a cow does not make iron. Um, the cow gets iron from plants. Iron is an element. It's in the ground. Um, and so the plants pull it up through their roots. And if the cow eats the plant, then some of that iron will get into the animal's muscle. And so then you can eat it from that source. But if you ate the green vegetables directly, ho- hopefully it's not grass, but whether it's broccoli or kale or collards or spinach or you name it, then you get the green, the green vegetables iron directly, and it's absorbable, and you're going to do fine with it. So um, iron deficiency anemia is not in any way more common among people who avoid meat compared to people who eat it. Um, if you want to get iron deficient, though, drink milk because milk re- reduces iron absorption. It interferes with it. Um, so let me be clear what I'm saying. Milk drinkers tend to run low in iron because milk interferes with your iron absorption. So, but a vegan diet is, is rich in iron, particularly if it has uh, green leafy vegetables and beans in it. Just on that point, you raised the point uh, cow's milk. Um, now I've been vegan for a number of years, obviously. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with my calcium levels, for example, but that's often one of the things that those in the, the uh, dairy industry peddle the, the myth that you, you need um, cow's milk for strong bones. Yeah, well, you do need calcium, but just like iron, cows, cows don't make calcium either. Calcium is in the earth just like iron is, and, and it's in grass, and so cows get it from that source. But if you drink milk, only about 32% of its calcium is even absorbed by your body. So if you have green vegetables, it's maybe on the order of 50% with quite a lot of variability. But, but um, green vegetables and, uh, and beans give you lots of calcium, so you, you don't need you don't need milk for calcium. And then just uh, lastly, on in terms of different food types, eggs, we were always programmed in the past to believe you needed eggs for protein, you needed eggs to build muscle, etc. Why, why do you believe that's not the case? Well, first of all, you're going to get plenty of protein whether you eat an egg or not. Um, plant foods give you all the protein that you need. So um, if you look at a cow or a bull or a horse or a giraffe or an elephant, they, they get huge bodies with plenty of protein and they're never eating an egg at all they don't eat meat they're vegans um so you're going to be fine now eggs are unusual 
in that they are the, by far the biggest source of cholesterol. There's as much um, cholesterol in a single egg as there is in a normal-sized steak. And that's because um, when an egg is laid, it has to include all the stuff that can go into making a chicken. You know, the, bef- before the egg cracks open and a chicken comes out, everything is in there to make a beak and eyes and a liver and feet. And so there's a massive amount of cholesterol that's going to go into making that chick. Um, and you don't want to eat that. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to add to your cholesterol level. Um, there's a certain amount of saturated fat in there. That's bad for you, too. Um, so you, you, you don't need the you, – you, you do need protein, but you don't need egg protein because a lot of bad stuff comes along with it. So one of the, the questions we hear quite often uh, when you speak to non-vegans, I suppose, and you're – Maybe trying to convince them of the benefits of a, a plant-based diet in general is, oh, I could never give up cheese. I just couldn't. I love cheese. Um, I, I've seen some of the articles that you've put online in the past about cheese and how, how bad it is in so many different ways for you. Would you like to just maybe mention a few of those just now? You know, it's a funny thing. We see this with a lot of our research studies. People on a vegan diet, they, they slim down so easily. You know, they're eating spaghetti with tomato sauce. They're eating a wide variety of delicious foods, a nice vegetable stew and so forth. They slim down so easily. Their diabetes improves. Their heart disease improves. Their cholesterols go way down. But many of them say, oh, I still miss cheese, despite the fact that it contributed to the bad health that they had had before. They still miss it. And what we have found is that there are in cheeses, there are compounds called casomorphins. They're in the cheese protein, the casein protein that's in milk but concentrated in cheese, and it breaks apart and releases into your bloodstream morphine-like compounds that will go to the brain and attach to the very same receptors that morphine or heroin would attach to. So they're not as strong as morphine or heroin, but they're strong enough to keep you hooked and to make people want to eat cheese. It really is impressive. Um, now, on the flip side of all of that, we've, we've talked about what the downsides are to, you know, someone who eats um, meat, whatever color it is. What are the benefits of a plant-based diet? If someone, say, listening to this wasn't vegan, but they were considering a vegan diet, what benefits could they expect to see in the short to medium term? Well, let me also be, be sure that I'm speaking to people who aren't yet considering a vegan diet, but they're just thinking, I'm tired of not being able to lose this weight or I'm tired of not being able to get my cholesterol down or I'm worried because diabetes runs in my family Mm. or my joints hurt or my digestion is always terrible or I've got no energy in the afternoon. For that person, let me encourage them to think about the possibility of a vegan diet. Um, And a vegan diet is remarkably simple. It means you're leaving the meat off your plate, but you're eating everything else. Um, And what happens is that you're your weight come down, comes down very easily, and our research studies show that it's because it, it satisfies your appetite sooner and increases your metabolism a little bit, so you burn calories a little bit better. Your energy is very often better. Many sports figures in the world of tennis or football or basketball are now going vegan for better sports performance and better energy. Uh, Lewis Hamilton um, last year won his, I guess, fifth, Oh, yeah. Formula One championship, you know, and he's been vegan now for a year or two. Um, really loves it. Um, so all of these are, are good reasons, but I think the most important reasons are 
to not have a heart attack or to reduce your risk of cancer or to reduce your risk of diabetes or you have a shot of getting rid of diabetes if you, if you go to a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. One of the things you mentioned there before, Dr. Barnard, was um, in terms of people will adopt this for perhaps for weight loss reasons or hoping to achieve some sort of weight loss. T- particularly in the past, when people have been involved in weight loss programs, the first thing they hear is steer well away from carbs. Carbs will make you gain weight. Carbs will make you fat, etc. Why is that not the case? Well, um, a car- carbohydrate means starch or it means sugar. It could make you fat if when you talk about carbohydrate is, say, a cookie. Mm. Um, if you look at the recipe for a cookie, there is some sugar or some flour in there, but there's a, also fat and shortening in it. And the fat and, or the shortening, the, the, the fatty part of the cookie, has more calories than the, the flour does. So if you'd make a healthier cookie, you'd probably be okay. Um, or things that have starch in them without any fat, like a potato or maybe a piece of bread may not have much fat or fruit. Uh, people who eat those things tend not to gain weight at all. In fact, it's just the, the opposite. And this will not be on the test, but a gram of carbohydrate, whether it's from pure sugar or any kind of starchy food like a potato, <clears throat> has only four calories, four calories in a gram. But if I have chicken fat or beef fat or even fat from a fish, it's got nine calories in every gram. So wow. getting away from all these fatty foods is, a, is, is really the answer to losing weight. So fatty foods, meat, cheese, super fatty, 70% fat. Um, and even the added oily dressings uh, can also cause weight gain. So that's really the issue. I see. Now, in terms of what you mentioned before there, um, cancers, dementia, and of course diabetes, which we're going to come on to talk a little bit more about, can you, at a, at a high level, now, I thought I understood diabetes before reading your book, and I think there's been a transition in the way that traditionally we, we view diabetes. Uh, previously, I thought it was too much sugar in the bloodstream, or not enough sugar in the bloodstream at a very simple level. But can you, I know there's two different, two different main types to it, type 1 and type 2, but can you maybe just highlight for us um, what diabetes actually is, first of all? Sure. Diabetes means there's too much sugar in your blood. Uh, the sugar is glucose, and you can find it on a blood test. And type 1 diabetes means that the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas, they, they, they produce insulin to help your body move that sugar out of the blood and move it into your cells. Well, the cells of the pancreas that make insulin have died. They're gone. And this can happen when you're 10 or 12 or 20 years old. The, in, the cells that make insulin have been destroyed. And so you're going to need to administer insulin. Now, much more common, uh, probably about 10 times more common, is type 2 diabetes. And that's where your body is still making insulin, but the cells are not responding to it. And the reason they're not responding is because they're full of fat. So the muscle cells or the liver cells of your body have tiny particles of fat inside, and that stops them from responding to insulin. So, in other words, the the type 2 diabetes was not caused by eating a potato or um, eating another starchy food, but it was caused by eating fatty foods where the fat got into the, the cells of the body and, um, and led to what's called insulin resistance. So the answer to it then is to get the animal fat out of your diet and to keep the vegetable oils low too. So with that in mind, we know what diabetes actually is and how it works. 
What are some of the worst symptoms of diabetes and what can that look like for someone? For many people, they don't have any symptoms at all. The doctor will find it incidentally on a blood test Mm. and the doctor will be concerned because even though there are no symptoms, it can dramatically increase the risk of heart problems, blindness, amputations, and could subtract more than 10 years of life. So so doctors want to get it under control. But if you, when people do have symptoms, what sometimes they may feel is, first of all, they feel lethargic. Um, and that's because, remember, the, the sugar is in the blood instead of getting into the cell. Once it can get into your cells, your muscle cells, then you've got energy. But if the glucose is just circulating around in your blood, you don't have any energy. So you're feeling tired. The next thing that can happen is um, that you find yourself in the bathroom a lot. You're urinating a lot. And that's because with too much sugar in the blood, it ends up passing through the kidney. And as the sugar passes through the kidney, it it carries water along with it. So you're creating more urine than normal. And finally, uh, the third sort of classic symptom is in addition to feeling lethargic and, and going to the bathroom a lot, you also find that you're really, really thirsty. And that's because you've been losing so much water um, in your urine. So uh, when the person goes to the doctor and says, I'm just tired, I'm really thirsty, and I'm in the bathroom all the time, the doctor is going to think, I wonder if this is diabetes, and a fairly simple blood test will sort it out. Mm. Now, in your book, um, Reversing Diabetes, which uh, one thing I really liked about it wasn't just that you explained what the condition was and how you can treat it, but also at the back of it you have uh, some menus and recipes, which I have to say I can't wait to uh, get stuck into, particularly the... um, some of the desserts in there as well. To look at. I'm making myself quite hungry looking at them, but can you talk to us about the, the study that you performed for this in order to, to base your conclusions on that and how was that conducted? Sure. Well, we've done many studies, but the one that most people think about is it was funded by the U.S. government, and it actually started um, in 2003. And what we did is we brought in people who had type 2 diabetes, and half of them went on a conventional diabetes diet. This was our control group. And so they limited their calories to try to lose weight. They limited carbohydrates to keep their blood sugars from going too high. And that group was used for comparison. We separately had a group that went on a completely vegan diet, no animal products at all. We also encouraged them to keep oils to a bare minimum. And when they had carbohydrates, not to limit carbohydrates, but to have healthy carbohydrates. Um, So instead of white bread, they might have rye or pumpernickel bread, which is easier on your blood sugar. And what we found was that the vegan diet improved blood sugar control three times better than a conventional diet. So that really uh, changed things. People also lost weight a little bit better and their cholesterol levels fell. And it's all around a, a very good diet. And unlike a calorie counting, carb counting diet, with a vegan diet, you're not counting things. So it's, it's, and you're never going hungry. So it's, it's easier for people to stick to. I really love the sound of this. <laughs> it's music to my ears. So in your book, you talk not only about treating the diabetes and having diagnosed it, etc. What is it specifically about these, this diet and specifically about these foods that helps you actually not just stop the diabetes, but actually reverse it? Well, part of it is that there's no animal fat in the diet at all. And as I mentioned earlier, that fat particles inside the muscle and liver cells are the cause of the insulin resistance. So if I take all the animal fat out, and I also keep vegetable oils pretty low, then there isn't a lot of fat in the diet. And the fat in the cells starts to dissipate on its own. And sometimes people end up with just simply reversing.
reversing their diabetes. They don't have it anymore. Um, that these are that's particularly for people whose diabetes has not been around for a, a long time. If a person has had diabetes for 20 years or 30 years, um, their pancreatic cells are getting kind of worn out and are having trouble making insulin at this point. Um, so they, they'll still improve. The diet is going to help them. It will reduce the likelihood of complications, but they may, never, they may still have diabetes at that point. But the other piece of this is that what kills you with diabetes is vascular problems, blood vessel problems. So you don't want any cholesterol in your diet. You don't want any animal fat in your diet. You want to really baby your blood vessels. That kind of leads me on to my next question, actually. Uh, were there any people on this diet who said, okay, you know, Monday to Friday, I'm going to go vegan, but on weekends, in their mind, I'm going to treat myself to a burger or, you know, a piece of fish or whatever. Um, I've heard you answer a question like this before, and I think you've compared it to someone who maybe says, yeah, I'm going to give up smoking Monday to Friday, but uh, I might have a few at the weekend. Uh, were there any people like that on the study? And if so, how did their uh, their results vary from others? In the course of the study, that didn't really happen. But when the study was over, it, the study lasted a year and a half. And when the study was over, there were some people who started to kind of bargain with it a little bit. And invariably, I have to say, they just don't do as well. And part of it is for the reason that, that you mentioned. Um, it's like, like a smoker. Uh, a smoker, prob- let, let's say you, you've quit smoking. It's been three years and your lungs are, are on their way to being cleaned out and your health is, is better and nobody comments on how bad your clothes smell anymore. Um, if a person had the bad judgment to go back and light up a cigarette again, um, if they had just one cigarette a month, it may not really affect their health too much. But what it does is it invites back into your life something that gave you problems. And instead of once a month, then it becomes once a week, then it becomes twice a week and then it becomes every day, and pretty soon it's back in your life. So if a person has done very well on a vegan diet, let's say they cured their diabetes. If after a while they decide, you know, I just really love cheese and meat, I think I'm going to have it once in a while, it reawakens the desire for those things, and it becomes harder and harder to manage. So we have found that the people who do the best are the people who just say, I guess that food's really not, it doesn't love me back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just skip it. Um, the other piece of this is, even during research studies, when people don't entirely adhere to the regimen, for some, whatever reason, they just don't get the same results. Um, you, can, you can pack an awful lot of fat and cholesterol into your diet on a weekend, and you can have some trouble getting rid of it during the week. I have to say, Dr. Barnard, this book, I find Reversing Diabetes, I find it to be clear. Uh, concise, straight to the point. It didn't labor the points uh, unnecessarily the way some kind of health advisory books would have, would have performed in the past. Um, I could understand it. So if you're doing that, then you're doing something right. You really are. And I strongly well, recommend thank, anybody thank listening to this to, to get a hold of it. And, and as you said, at the back, it, the recipes and menus are by Brianna Clark Grogan, and some of those are absolutely great. It's actually coming to dinner time here in the UK, um, and I might actually treat myself to one of them tonight. So, um, <laughs> I, I hope you will. <laughs> don't know how well it'll come out, but I'll try. So just in general, Dr. Barnard, what are the campaigns you're, you've been involved in recently, and, and what, what's next for you? Well, we're continuing to do research studies. Um, after the study that I mentioned, we did another study where we brought in people who had had diabetes for a very long period of time because the question is, what if the diabetes is now attacking your eyes or your kidneys or your heart um, or causing neuropathy, which is where 
the nerves, particularly in your fingers and, and your feet, are being attacked by this disease. And it causes pain, and, and it's really debilitating for many people. Is it too late to get better? And what we found is that when we rounded up people who had late-stage diabetes with nerve damage, that starting a completely vegan diet, very low in fat, for these people, they would improve, uh, often remarkably. And we even had uh, men who uh, were in this study who not only did their neuropathy improve, but their erectile dysfunction would go away as well. And that's because of better blood flow. So these health problems really can change quite dramatically. Uh, we're now doing a study that's a head-to-head test of a, uh, a vegan diet and a Mediterranean diet, and I'll let you know how it turns out. Um, and uh, there's lots more research to be done. But now I should say that we already have more than enough information, more than enough scientific evidence that a plant-based diet is a very, very healthy way to go. And I would encourage anyone who has diabetes themselves or wants to lose some weight or get their cholesterol down to give this diet a shot. Take three weeks, give it a test, see what it'll do for you. And for many people, it'll change their lives. Absolutely fascinating, Dr. Barnard. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know you're a very, very busy man. And uh, when when I reached out and uh, asked for the interview, I actually almost fell off my seat when the email came back saying that you would actually do it. Because <laughs> uh, you're an absolute inspiration to those of us in the, the vegan community and those of us who are trying to spread the word about the benefits of a, a vegan plant-based diet to others around the world so thank you so much for your time today i really really appreciate that thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you today and thank you for what you do to spread uh, an important and life-saving message well what a treat that was uh dr neil barnard uh from the physicians committee in washington dc uh, he was re- referencing his book, Reversing Diabetes. Uh, as I mentioned during the course of the interview, not only is it a fantastic book and perhaps a groundbreaking book in terms of the content and the message that it's getting across, also in there there's the practical help in terms of the recipes. So it's one thing telling people the theory and the concept of what it is that you're trying to get across, but also they include the how, how you can actually help yourself in cooking these type of meals and showing you what not to include in your meals as well. So. My thanks to Dr. Neil Barnard. I never thought in a million years when I embarked on this project that I would get to speak to uh, a guy who's revered in the vegan community, um, held in such high esteem. Um, He's a hero of mine and was one of the major driving forces behind my decision to go vegan. I actually facilitated that decision to make it much easier for me to get the nutrition and be the healthiest I've ever been in my life and I'm healthier than I was when I was in my 20s. So my thanks again to Dr. Neil Barnard. Uh, Get yourself a copy of the book. Um, If you can, you can get it from all good bookstores and some not-so-good bookstores. Reversing Diabetes is published by Rodale Books. Uh, Get yourself a copy. Uh, It could change your life. could actually save your life. So thanks to everyone for downloading this week's podcast. What a blast it's been. And uh, I hope to have you back this time next week for another installment of Vegan World. In the meantime, guys, if you get a chance, please, 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 can you leave a review on iTunes or maybe a rating out of five? Hopefully it's a five. Uh, get us up the charts and get us recognized and get the message out there that we're, we're trying to spread the good word, veganism and a plant-based diet. Um, that would be fantastic. It would much, be much appreciated. So... 
bye bye for now and I'll speak to you next week bye bye